man. There's only so much talking I can do. Excuse me. There's only so much talking I can do. I'll try to search them at the same time. Yeah. Anyway, one thing I loved about... <laughs> Shut up, bitch. Shut up, bitch. Uh, <laughs> one thing I loved about part five is it's one of the Friday the 13th where Jason is... Okay, spoiler alert. Big spoiler alert. Uh, Jason is not the killer of this one. And I well, love it because it's a whodunit. You don't realize who it is till the very end. Right. Yeah. That's what's different about this one. Every single other one, except for the first one, you know who the killer is. It's obvious. And there's no whodunit portion of the script. Part five does that. Um, you use a little giveaway in the beginning. Uh, where you, can see, you can kind of figure it out. Like, especially if you watch it again, you're like, oh, okay, they give it away with this, this one little scene here. But uh, I can't say enough about this movie. I think it's extremely underrated. Part five, Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, it's got some really good characters. It, this is one of the. This is the first one of the Friday the Thirteenth where they introduce some camp into the horror. There's a campiness to it. It's funny. Oh. There's a biker mama chick that's in it with her redneck half. We'll call handicapped son, who's just this. Uh, He's inbred. Right? Do you remember the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one riding the bike around. Right. Oh, Ma, they, they did me wrong, Ma, they did me. He's right. a great redneck character. The mom is hilarious, cooking the stew. Um, the kids at the ew, insane, insane asylum, for lack of a better term, yeah. uh, are, are great. Um, and also, too, it stars a kid from different strokes. Uh, he played... What, what character did he play in different strokes? It was... Arnold's best friend. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Dudley. I think, yeah, his name was Dudley. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. And he was he was he was good man. He was a very good kid actor in this. Um, there's some scenes going between a like uh, place like uh, like an RV parking lot. One thing about the Friday Thirteenth, they're not all at the Camp Crystal Lake. There are different parts. Uh, uh, it's supposed to be in New York, I guess. So it's at different lakes that are all around the same area. Huh. Some of them are on Camp Crystal Lake, but just a different uh, resort-type area. Uh, they're not all about, um, you know, a summer camp for kids. So this one is uh, an insane asylum. Uh, one of the greatest scenes, talk about hilarious, uh, is these two New York biker guys that are really kind of, they look like, the biker guy and uh, the village people and what the hell they're doing way out in the middle of Camp Crystal Lake I have no idea they have like leather outfits on sure. they're like um, one of the kids is, is joking around but one of the kids has to go to the bathroom number two and he goes out into the woods and it's like what the hell like yeah. Who the hell? Who the hell just drives down the road right. and says, "I think I got to go to the bathroom, pull over, and I'm going to go out." <laughs> it's just, I'm going to go out like, of sight so you can't see me, and then I'll just yeah. make it so easy for anybody to kill me. And then he comes back, and he, and he's like, "You better fix the car, do to do do to do. I'll right. fucking kick your ass, do to do do to do." And he starts singing this little medley, right? And it's just it kills me. The hats they got on. Um, they look like two Bowery Boy kids from the 1920s. Nice. Um, in New York or something. It's just, it's so hilarious. And I have to say this too. For all of the horror movies, talk about hot chicks. This is way up there. Yeah. There's a girl who does scene, her last name is coincidentally Voorhees. 
and she does a scene with a kid where they go out and uh, away from the insane asylum and, and she's just kind of lying there naked. And what I love is that most of the girls in the horror movies uh, objectively are kind of skinny. They're not very busty. Mm-hmm. They're kind of, uh, they, she's very voluptuous and very busty. And um, there's, I love also the two characters. There's a nerdy kid in there yeah. that is very shy who who ends up being a hero uh, not really no he, he's 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 a goner oh. but i mean he he and this he musters up the courage to say to this girl as they're watching a movie he's like you know i like you trying to go out and she laughs at him and he runs upstairs yeah. and goes into his room and that's when he's off by uh We'll just say the Jason character. Sure. Um, but I love the character, the selection of characters. They have different personalities, and right. I actually feel for this kid. But he, when he's a goner, I, I felt for him. And that says a little something about character development in yeah. a little crappy horror movie. Um, not to mention the fact that it is the best, besides, of course, I'll try to wrap this up. Besides Corey Feldman, the best Tommy Jarvis. He is a kid who was a complete and total actor who went on to do uh, documentaries and dramas and oh. played a cop, and I guess a few movies, but he absolutely did not want to do horror movies. He, they put out an ad for the movie for actors and said they wanted to do a psychological thriller. They yeah. didn't say this is Friday the 13th part five. He answered the ad. Uh, the actor who plays Tommy Jarvis goes out there and he finds out that it's a Friday the 13th and he's like, Oh, what the hell? I'll, I'll do it anyway. He psychologically got inside the mind of this character, Tommy Jarvis, so well, so much better than the guy that did it in part six. Huh. Uh, he did a, a, such a fantastic job playing kind of a whack job, also playing kind of a tough guy. He's kind of built and he's kind of shredded a little bit. Uh-huh. And he definitely looked like a, felt like a nemesis for Jason. Nice. Can't say enough about the cast and the crew. Like it's just every time I watch this movie, I like it more and more. Phew. Okay. All right. I went off on that one, but that's my number okay. 21 selection. Friday 13th, part five DM. So on to number 20, what do you got for number 20? From Beyond. Oh, good one, good one. Um, just, a, just a classic, um, good cast. Uh, I liked it because it was unique. And um, I want to say this is the H.P. Lovecraft story, too. Like it's a, I think it was, too. Yeah. Because of the the demons are are cosmic and the how it's combining like uh, it's a it's a little bit sci-fi because the they you know they show the technology that can uh, that you know the person whoever's manning the, the the equipment can cross over into a dark dimension and so I thought that was fascinating uh, and how the demons or the the beasts can cross over and they bite you. Um, the uh, the thing with the guy like it's very like uh sexual like it's kind of it's kind of erotic uh in a gross way um the the scene where uh the well the cast is great there's the cop and then the lady who's i believe a scientist um and i can't remember her name off top but she's a famous horror actress anyway uh, the guy who plays the doctor who they take back to the house. He's like, he's on, he's up there like, you know, classic horror actors, like just freaks, you know? Um, and just the whole thing. And 
the way the room will get dark and how they cross over and and uh it, it's just a it's just a great movie and um it, it's it kind of scared me but i thought it was more fascinating um just how it was written and and how it looked and and you know they and it was like a lot of it was like more someone more of a thriller in some ways and uh like i said just uh the way they they they, they wrote and this probably is uh you know a little bit of hp lovecraft because he was a fucked up dude um it's uh it's very you know like i said they combine eroticism with with horror and uh like a you know it's a psychological thriller it's same in the same way yeah i uh famous like a vhs cover for that with one guy uh, i believe it's the doctor who's parts of him have connected to another person his brain is connected to somebody else right and is trying to morph or absorb it i believe yeah it's just um, bizarre like yeah it, uh, i love those type of horror movies that are crossovers with like sci-fi right psychological thrillers and stuff so uh excellent good selection i totally remember that haven't seen it in years um Okay, so number 20 for me is an absolute classic. Reminds me of Return of the Living Dead as far as classic horror movie. This one is in the latter part of the decade, 1988. It was unsuccessfully remade, I believe, a decade later. We're talking about Night of the Demons. Uh, I love this movie. It has this fantastic animated intro when it's going through the credits that I absolutely love. The art, The artistry is fantastic. Uh, directed by Kevin S. Tani, who does another movie on the list here, uh, further up on my on my list. Um, it's about basically a bunch of kids. Uh, it is Halloween nights, and they um, they go through. They go basically go to a haunted house. Uh, love the. Uh, absolutely love the soundtrack. The soundtrack is magnificent. Uh, reminds me a little bit of how Goblin did the soundtracks for Argento in the 70s. Um, I don't have the name of the band in front of me right now, but if you watch this movie, uh, you'll see it and and just lo love the music. If you love kind of like, it's not even metal, I think it's kind of hardcore grind music or something with great beats. Oh. Um, very, very effective. Linnea Quigley, again, who I mentioned, nice. and maybe that's why it reminds me of Return of the Living Dead. She's in this as well. She does a famous scene. Might be the first one that I've ever seen who created this like kinder horror look that uh, some of my favorite female uh, Riot Girl bands, uh, whole, whole obviously she copied that from the girl from, oh, God, uh, God, God damn, what is that band? My, my, my favorite, I'm blanking right now. My favorite uh, punk rock girl band of the 1980s, Dolls, the, uh... You're, the, uh, you're not talking about the Runaways. No. No, 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 no. Uh, Wendy O. Williams. No, 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 no. it's, uh... Her name is, I can't, I, I'm sorry, I can't let this go. I have to look this up. All right. Um, the Kinder Whore look. Uh, the dolls, the something dolls. Uh, not the New York dolls. They're from the 70s, and that's a dude band. It's a guy, it's a girl singer. 
I can't help myself. I have to look this up. Uh, okay, thanks a lot. I'm just, someone's showing a picture of her without naming the actual <laughs> band. Um, Babes in Toyland. Ah! Geeland, uh created that kind of kinder horror look, at least for musically, where basically she's dressing up like a little girl, smeared lipstick, smeared makeup, blonde little bob type hair with little uh, bob bob pins and bobby pins and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, famous scene. And I'm going to say a spoiler. Famous scene in Night of the Demons, after Demon has infected her, infested her body, she's putting lipstick on at a in a mirror, smears the lipstick all over, puts the lipstick on her nipple, she's topless, and pushes the lipstick into her nipple, and it absorbs into her body. It fuck? is the strangest, I swear to God. There's so many, once the people in the house, once these kids start um, going down one by one and they're, they're not off screen. They're, um, they're just taken over by demons. They, you know, you have to tell at first if they are, it becomes obvious, but there are some real strange scenes of all of these kids partying while one by one, they're turning into demons. Um, I can't, uh, I really can't recommend this enough. 1988's, uh, Night of the Demons. Boy, my phone is really effing up left and right. I'm trying to stay on the Wikipedia page to describe it, yeah. and it keeps going off into different uh, websites. But anyway, 1988, Night, Night of the Demons, highly recommend it, love it. Uh, now we are into the top 20. Uh, Dean, what is your number 19 selection? The Company of Wolves. Oh. Highly acclaimed uh, werewolf movie, I believe. Love it. Classic. The other one is... It's a continuation of that style of, uh, it's another one that, you know, kind of freaked me out. Uh, and another one where you see the, the werewolf, uh, the transformation scenes are a lot better. Uh, they, they totally took the, that eye style from the howling, but it's really good. The story's really good. The, uh, your favorite guy who you mentioned before, uh, who's in child's play, he's in it. Um, there's another guy, uh, classic actor. This is a, it's all around. It's just a good movie. Like the, the cast is really good. The writing's really good. Um, it just, I don't know. I loved it. And it's just, you know, I'll never forget it. So, uh, I saw a lot of these movies. Um, I saw them on, you know, basic TV, uh, and they would be on late at night. Um, and so it was one of those movies I saw at night that would scare me because I was young and, you know, the room would be dark and my mom would be asleep, uh, cause I would sneak Ooh. in. And so a lot of these movies are badass. Like just, uh, it was just fun. So I loved it. That's the best way to see them, isn't it? I love right. that. Up late on a Saturday night when your parents are asleep and you happen upon a great movie. Um, to be honest with you, I can't comment on that one cause I haven't seen it in so, so long. Uh, but I would love to go see it again. Um, okay, so that's number. That's your number nineteen, right? The Company of Wolves. Yeah. Okay. I my number nineteen is a movie where I could. I don't think I could have included the first and the second ones together the way that uh, you do, because I believe the second one is just as good or just about as good. I just don't know if the second one was a nineteen eighties horror movie, but this one it's not I don't know if it's really considered horror movie. It might be I, I do. So I'm gonna go ahead and put it on there. Number nineteen, The Stepfather. Oh yeah. Um, it is uh, yeah. yeah. 
love it. Uh, I actually did see this movie again recently, the first and the second one. I would say within the last six months. I thought it was even better than what I saw when I was a kid. Uh, saw it with my entire family when I was a kid. We were all thought, oh, this is a very good movie. Saw it again. It's a classic setup of uh, basically a stepfather trying to ingratiate himself into a family um, where, the, you know, the daughter, I believe this one, is this one a daughter or a son? So this one is a daughter, um, and the second one, I believe, is a son. So um, the, the daughter does not take kindly to him. She doesn't trust him, and with good reason. Uh, Terry O'Quinn, who plays the main character, is in another movie uh, that I'm going to mention further up on my list. He did a fantastic job, fantastic, playing the stepfather, going between this overly nice, kind of religious, talks real slow, and yeah. very comforting, and how do you do there, pal, and great right. to see you. And, and next thing you know, he's a murderous um, maniac. Right. So uh, I can't see enough of yeah, classic movie. That's my number 19, Stepfather. DM, what do you got for number 18? Ah, uh, Sleepaway Camp. Oh, oh, oh. this is all you, because that is way high up on my list. Um, classic. Um, well, I'd just say that it's a great movie. Uh, it's great writing. Um, it's fucking odd, and it's uh, just the... Uh, the whole thing with the the aunt who who wants a daughter so bad uh, makes this little boy become a you know basically you know makes him become a, a girl. Um, boy, that is a huge spoiler. By the way, I mean, but it's you know, but it's so fucking odd and and like and then when uh, when he gets to the you know the camp. He's so whacked out because she's she's done such a number on him psychologically, uh, and the kids too, like they're they're a little off. Uh, but the, all the you know the scene like the curling iron scene is fucked up. Classic. Uh, like just all these you know just crazy, and it's just a little boy who's you know if you don't treat your kids right, they're gonna be fucking they're gonna be fucked up. Uh, and you know watch the whole thing. But then at the the end, uh, I think oh we, I think we talked about this uh, years ago because it was such a memorable movie. But the end is just like it's fucking great. I mean, it's just like it's scary as fuck, uh, and a great it's great uh, suspense. It's a great build up. Uh, you have no idea. It's just like where all these people and all you know. Of course, all the shitty people die, uh, basically, who are mean to him. Uh, it's just, it's just great. I, they try to make some sequels and I, I checked them out and they can't, you know, it's one of those movies like sometimes you don't need to make a sequel. Uh, it's just, it, it's a one and done. Like I, I love it. It's classic. And it, it scared the shit out of me at the end. It was like just fucked up the facial expression, the, and, and that, and that, uh, it's actually, it was an actual girl that played the character uh she's actually um she's i looked her up and uh she's she still does like she does conventions uh of course i'm not being very you know thorough the name or but the person who played in sleepaway camp the star she's like uh she's great like she's you know still alive she doesn't look like she's been uh you know ruined by hollywood and like she just 
she's had a good life. But I can't say enough about it. It's uh, it's good on so many levels. Uh, as you know, it's just classic. You know, and I don't know, but just good. Yeah. One thing I'll say: if we could DM, we should really try. There could be some people listening to this that have never seen these movies. We should try as as hard as possible to not give away very important plot twists or endings <laughs> um, if we can, only because like if I if everything you said, if I wanted to see it, you gave away the major plot of it, it'd be like, well, it definitely takes away from if somebody was going to go see that. Yeah. Um, granted, these are four years old, but we'll try the best we can. But you know, or at least maybe we could just try to say spoiler or spoiler sure. first. Um, okay, so number 20, but great movie, great selection. Um, so what I'm going to do for my number, we're going to run 18 here. Yeah. Uh, number 18 for me is one you already mentioned, Fright Night, 1985. Loved it. It's a great time without being overly gory or overly, kind of overly scary. Um, but it's it's highlighted by the characters. I think the characterizations are fantastic. The acting is very good. Roddy McDowell, who plays the... Uh, main character who hosts basically a, a late night ghoul show uh, where he can uh, defeat ghouls and whatever ghosts and whatever is going on. He also, of course, was in, uh, I believe he was in Time After Time that I have on my 1970s list. I think he's a very good actor. Oh, he's classic. Uh, yeah, not only that, Chris Sarandon, who plays the main vampire who was in Child's Play that I mentioned before. Um, I, I think he's related to Susan Sarandon. I believe that they're brother and sister. Maybe. Um, also included in the cast, Amanda Burst, if you remember, she's, uh, Brewster's, uh, girlfriend. She ended up on Married with Children. Yeah. Uh, later on, uh, a very good actress. And of course, you cannot forget the little dorky kid, Stephen Jeffries, plays a little Brewster, the little, uh, you know, sort of acting, uh, oh, losing great. his voice. He, he was in Fraternity Vacation, one of my favorite, like, cheesy 80s uh, summer flick things. But he totally reminds me of the Simpsons character, like the generic broken uh, high school character yeah. on The Simpsons that works at Krusty Burger. Right. Would you like to try the new the new Krusty Burger with cheese? It's 99 cents for a limited time. He's, he's a great monster, too. And I, I think he's uh, he's he was great. Great character. Loved it. Loved it. So definitely recommend that movie if you haven't seen it. Friday Night, 1985. That's my number 18. DM, what do you got for number 17? Let's see. Faces of Death 2. Okay. Uh, just because... Um, it grossed me the fuck out when I saw it, um, and you know I can put it on a list as as a horror film because it's uh, a lot of it's fake and uh, a lot of the scene are a lot of the scenes are um, are actually just uh, they're they're fake. You know the the premise is supposed to be a documentary, but there's a lot of the the scenes that are uh, created uh, to set. Some of the scenes are sets. Um, it's just, uh, it just, it's just fucking gross. And the guy who plays the host is, uh, he's great. Like he just, he's just so deadpan and depressing. Uh, you know, he, he just, he's perfect for this movie. And I don't know, it's just gross. And if you like gore and gross, then it's, you know, it'll, you'll love this movie cause it's just, it's just nasty. And my friends and I fucking, it was such a thrill to watch this cause it, it, it was like you had. It was like a test of your 
your adolescence as a teenage, a tween and a teenage boy, like, oh my God, did you watch Faces of Death? And that was the thing. Yeah. And that's it. Totally agree. I, I had it on my 1970s. So the first one was on my 1970s list. Like you said, it's kind of a rite of passage. Like if you're tough enough as a kid to sit through that and and take it. Um, I definitely don't have the second one on my list, but it was very popular. I believe as as the third one as well. So it was a very popular franchise back in the day. Um, number 17 for me. I really really like this. I don't know too many people that have seen this movie. But it was distributed by Paragon, uh, a distribution company called Paragon, yeah. who did, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and see this other movie too, because I know I said this movie, you had heard of it. Uh, it's a very popular 80s, early 80s horror movie called Gates of Hell. Uh, the Witching oh. with Orson Welles. Um, the Paragon, they, 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 they absolutely were a distribution company that... If you watch Quentin Tarantino movies with how he parodies 1970s production, yeah. this is absolutely 100%. He's parodying, parodying a company like this and their production value. Basically, what they would say uh, during one of their movies, which PM, I took the title of with a, a little story that I wrote back in the day about, uh, you know, I've talked about it before, uh, Slumber, not Slumber, but uh, Boarding House. Boarding house. A boarding house, yes, yes. Yeah. So what they did during the during boarding house is they said, This is a movie so shocking that we don't that we don't want you to have a heart attack. So we will do this when a shocking moment comes. And it basically just a hand comes out and goes from like a fist to an open to an open palm. Oh. And a little noise comes out and goes like Rear! and you're supposed to look away if you don't want to see the shocking nice. moments. So, like, totally is a is a classic 1970s, 1980s uh, production company. And the, this movie is probably the best of all of the movies that they distributed. And it is not cheesy. It is not cheap. It is fantastic. It's called Just Before Dawn. I highly recommend this movie. It's a little bit Deliverance. Uh, it's a little bit Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It takes place out in the woods. There's some beautiful photography in Oregon uh, of the woods and these waterfalls and these beautiful lakes. Uh, the opening scene, by the way, is kind of legendary, not to mention it, it's, um, I want to say two things, the beginning scene and the soundtrack basically is a whistle. And that's it. It goes, I uh, so know if I can do this over the phone, but... Wow. And basically what it is, is there's a, a backwards cannibal family that that's how they communicate with each other, is by whistles. And that's a part of the soundtrack, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. The opening scene comes out and it's basically two two guys, two one of them's a drunk, uh, who survives at least a while. Another one is a guy comes in, it's a very famous scene, spoiler alert. Um, they go to a church and I guess there's been some uh something's happening at a church where they got called to try to restore it a little bit. Uh there's some damage done to a church. Guy walks in and he. Uh, there's some great lines, uh, great connections to. These guys are hunters, and they're not very good. They have when they supposedly they're not good shots. They're not good with knives. So when they go after these animals, 
I guess the animals have to suffer a lot because they one shot would never do it. Two shots, they joke around about how how many how long it takes them to kill an animal when they hunt it. So they're the first ones that get hunted by the killers, and I think that's uh, it's not a coincidence that that's the way that the director uh, starts this movie. And there's a great line where the drunk comes out and stands at the um, oh boy, I forgot what they call it. It's a podium basically for a priest to make a speech. Yeah. Um, and he says, "I'm bringing back the holy spirits," and he laughs and he holds up a big bottle of booze. And as he does, he looks up at the ceiling and sees one of these backward maniacs there. And the other guy just thinks he's drunk. Now, again, the spoiler alert scene right now, spoiler alert, um, one of these guys comes out and kills one of the two, and it's a big, huge machete. Before Jason starts using machetes, it was 1981, and it goes right through his groin, basically. All the way to the other side, he slowly... He puts it in, then he slowly pulls it back out, and it's wow. just horrific. And it's something where you can feel that the guy is uh, uh, limping around afterwards for a couple of minutes before he dies. What a horrific way! And that sets the stage for this whole movie. And throughout the movie, you'll hear whistles, and nobody knows what it is. And then basically, that's what it is. Anyway, just before dawn, uh, 1981, highly recommend it. Love the movie. Nice. Um, DM, what is your selection for, bring it up there now, what are we at, number 16? Yes. 16, The Shining. Oh, wow, okay. Um, uh, this is all you on this one. Classic, Jack Nicholson plays, you know, a classic, uh, classic guy who loses his shit, um, you know, tries to kill his family, you got the red room, so, spoiler, there's a red room scene with a little boy. Um, Shelly Duvall, spoiler alert, uh, great. She plays a great scream queen. And uh, I guess Stanley Kubrick uh, fucked her up where she stopped acting after this. Like, And I've seen, I've seen pictures or uh, I've seen, you know, pictures of her now and uh, he did a number on her, man. It's just, uh, it's, it's actually kind of sad, but, um, but if you look and, and Stephen King didn't like this version either, I think, I think he, right. Absolutely. He, he was very upset about it, but it's classic. Um, I, you know, I, it's Stephen King's great. I, I never read the book, but, uh, you can tell me if this happens, but like, I love the fact that like, all the spirits in the mansion are like racist old 1920s, like white people that like, uh, yep. and, and, and I think that's kind of like what he was doing on purpose. Uh, talking about that, you know, just how people were back in the day, how they, you know, how they treated, uh, how they, how they did, uh, Scatman Crothers yet again, another great performance by him. Um, it just, uh, it's just classic, and it's just it's just it's just fucking bizarre. Uh, it's you know it's just it's the classic horror thriller. Um, I mean, it's been so it's been uh, it's been uh, not always ripped uh, not always ripped off, but just honored. Like it's just uh, there's so many people and so many generations of people, uh, different generations that love it. You know, and it's just uh, it's up there. 
I, did he get an Academy Award for that, Jack Nicholson? No, he wasn't even nominated, I don't believe. Oh, he should have, because, like, he just loses his shit, and it's it's amazing, you know, it's, it's uh, isn't it, like, it's basically like he gets cabin fever, right? Like, severe cabin fever. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And it just, you know, it's this huge mansion in the middle of nowhere uh, in the snowstorm, and... Um, just I don't know Jack Nicholson man when he's when he's on and he's he, you know he plays a good psychopath like just loses his shit. Yeah, love it. Um, I'll have more to say about that later. Um, my number sixteen is well, there's a lot of Stephen King here. Uh, is one of my favorite short stories of his. Um, well, I'm trying to think of the name. It's called Cycle of the Werewolf. Is the short oh. story. And I love it to death. Uh, no pun, well, pun intended. Um, the movie is 1985. It's Silver Bullet. Oh yeah. Uh, it stars yeah. a young, yeah, young Corey Haim. Um, there are some certainly some differences between the book and the movie, and it's hard to do these. I mentioned it earlier, DM. It's hard to do these without. Give me some spoilers. I mean, it really is. I mean, that's so. I'd, I'll, we'll just try to not give away maybe the main twist and the ending, but otherwise, expect to hear a lot about these these movies. Um, Wait, maybe we could, Gary Busey's in it, right? Yeah, I was about to talk about the the cast after I uh, talked about. We might actually put maybe we'll put a list. And YouTube will number these one through sure. three. We'll try to we'll try to do that. So that if you want to see our list without listening to the specific scenes, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned Gary Busey, man. He was fantastic playing the drunk uncle in this. Loved it. Um, loved the fact that he, he was so funny in this movie too, uh, where he was the only one who half believed um, that there's a this was actually a, a werewolf that was committing some murders in a small town. Um, and the relationship too. One thing that's very different about the book in the book, first of all, Corey Haynes' character doesn't come until maybe halfway through the book, and the he doesn't have. They do not highlight the relationship between him and his sister the same way nearly at all in the book that Stephen King does, which, to be honest with you, is, is really a lot more graphic, gory, and scarier. This is made into a kind of a PG-13 yeah. movie, but I'll tell you what, man, the, the damn werewolf was very well done, I thought. Of all the werewolf movies in the 1980s, I thought it was very well done. Um, yeah. my, my guy, Terry O'Quinn, I mentioned him earlier, he plays the bar, does he play... Is he the bartender? No, he's the parent. He's a parent of a child that gets taken down by a werewolf. Uh, but there's a great scene in the movie where the town goes after the werewolf, and it's nothing but like London fog. It says all of a sudden a tree transport to London, and there's they're out like in the, in the mist and the fog. Right. Um, and there's a great there's great scenes where they're trying to go after the werewolf. Uh, I'm not going to say who the werewolf is. We'll just say uh, the guy who you end up knowing who it is is great. Uh, he tries to sort of um, justify the killings by, you know, like one woman is is uh, pregnant out of wedlock and is, is not with the man that she got impregnated by. He picks her. He actually picks his victims rather than just having to eat anybody that happens upon his way 
for the most part. Some right. of it, of course, is by uh, convenience. But uh, love the movie. I'll I tell you what, Corey Haim was. Uh, I don't think it's just um, you know the Hollywood design. I think he was a damn good uh, child actor. I think yeah. he's great in this movie. I love him. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm not sure if there's too many too many other things I can say about it, but. Very well done movie. Uh, it's PG-13. If you're a parent out there, if you have kids, I believe that you can watch. I mean, I think I saw it when I was 11 years old. It didn't give me nightmares. So um, if you have a, a young kid, maybe not five or six, but a young teenager, I think they can watch this without getting too many um, nightmares. So anything else you want to say about uh, Silver Bullet DM? Uh, I forgot to put it on my list, but yeah, it's another classic werewolf movie. Um, you know, I like, I like it's the story, I like the premise, I like the cast. It's a good movie. Cool. Alright, so what do you got is your number 15 selection? John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay. Just classic, um, just strange, you know, it's, 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 it's a classic John Carpenter movie. Um, Kurt Russell's great in it. The fucking entire cast is amazing. Um, I just loved Kurt Russell's character um, with the paunch or the uh, the uh, the old school hat, like a male delivery person, you know, uh, from the you know old cowboy hat, um, and just how the monster is and how it you know it's an alien, how uh, you know it's like uh, you know it becomes a thriller because then it you know it's spoiler like. Um, because of how the monster is, nobody knows who's, who's infected or whatever, uh, right. takes place. And I love the fact that it takes place in, I believe it's Antarctica, uh, cause yep. they're, they're a research team. Um, like I said, great cast, uh, uh, Keith David, um, fucking classic. One of my favorite actors. Uh, um, man, all of, it's just a good cast. It's a good story. Uh, I, I don't know what more to say about it. It's just, you know, love John Carpenter. Yeah. And it's just one of those movies I saw and it freaked me out because it was like the sound they use, the scoring is amazing. Um, the special effects are great. It's just, you know, how the monster, it's just so unique because it's alien. Uh, it's one of the first movies... I've seen of its kind where it's like an alien monster and um, they, you know, and even they, 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 you know, in the early 2000s, they, they had a sequel and then where they go back and then uh, they also had a video game. I think that was, a, they came out with, that was a prequel that led that up. That was cool. And I love the fact they started, they did that and it, and it, and it gives the, the fan of the, of the movie, um, insight on you know how things happened and and it's just it's great I love it it's fine I like the sequel too so yeah it's good yeah. okay I, I like that as well you gotta love John Carpenter uh, my number fifteen is from another magnificent director it is a remake one of the best remakes of all time uh, the movie the director is David Cronenberg well absolutely. Fantastic. You talk about a guy that's had an unbelievable career. 
I can't say enough about this guy. So many great movies, so many different weird, odd movies that yeah. he's done. So the movie, the remake, of course, is The Fly, 1986. Um, some really, again, it's questionable whether or not it's horror. It's probably more sci-fi. I loved the original with Vincent Price back in the 50s. Uh, went back and saw the original uh, in the last year or two, uh, the Fly 1 and 2. This one is great. There's some real disgusting, uh, more graphic scenes of him as he's starting to turn into the Fly. Great classic cast, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis, who was probably a very underrated actress. I mean, she's done had many good parts. Um, yeah, when I say underrated, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she, uh, actually, as, as just as I said this, I'm thinking maybe she could have gotten into character a little bit more in this movie, but uh, I, haven't, I really haven't seen it in a long time. I'm trying to look here. Um, I don't really have too much else to say about The Fly. It's great. Uh, uh, it's uh, the transformation's great. Jeff Goldblum is one of my favorite actors, especially character actors. Uh, this is one of his classics, uh, classic roles. Uh, David Cronenberg is like great because his his shit is just it's bizarre. It's like I, I don't know. It's like he combines. He's like a he's a horror sci-fi guy, so he combines both. Um, I I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just great, you know. And it's it's a great remake. Uh, I like the way it, the way he did it. I don't know. Just yeah. Um, one last thing I would say is that I almost included in our 1970s. I almost included the movie The Brood, um, which was a very weird movie about these little. Uh, not demonic, but these mutant children that are created, and he must really have hated, if you ever see this movie, he must have really hated his ex-wife. He was going through a divorce at the time. Um, it's If I was his kid, I'd probably be very offended right. <laughs> uh, by, by him making the, the children of this woman, these little mutant pricks who are murderers. Right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's David Cronenberg. He is a friggin' weirdo. By the way, you know what's funny is that I heard a story, I believe it was Cronenberg. I believe it was him. He went to Boston University with the lead singer. He was the roommate of the lead singer for the Jay Giles band, uh, Wolf, nice. and Peter Wolf. And Peter Wolf was so freaked out by him. He said, you know what? Get me the F out of this guy's room. I have to, like, get me a new roommate. This guy's weird. Um, great stories so with David Cronenberg, Canadian uh, filmmaker. I think he's great. All right, so number 14, uh, DM, what is your selection? American Werewolf in London. Excellent. This is another classic werewolf horror movie. Uh, I I thought it was not only a good horror movie, but it was like uh, there was actually the writing's really good because it uh, and spoiled, but it uh, it focuses a lot on the the repercussions of your your actions, so to speak. Um, and and spoil another spoiler alert. Uh, but the scene where they they're in the theater and he keeps, I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk shit out because it's great. But uh, and it was different. And, you know, it's in London, so it's like it's a great different perspective. Um, 
the look of the the wolf I thought was interesting because it's more it's more four legged. It doesn't walk on two feet. Uh, it's it's a savage, you know, uncontrollable. The transformation scene yet again. They they you know they they took from the howling, I believe. Uh, and but the guy, you know, they the transformation's great. The cast is great. Um, this, you know, this, uh, the, the premise is great. Uh, but there's a scene where like, you know, they're sitting in a, I think it's a porno theater. Cause that was back in the day when they had that. Uh, and, and he's talking to like the spirits of, of the people that, you know, that he murdered the main character. Um, and the, the scene where he's being trapped in downtown London, and um it's just great and it and the way they did it was like he was scared the the werewolf was scared of the humans and so he just fled like like a dog or an animal you know just uh you know you think he would just charge in front you know and attack but he he just you know uh, he went in survival mode and and then they killed him and it this was a good take on a werewolf movie classic yeah Yep, dig it. I dig it as well. Um, I didn't even mind. They did a sequel in the 90s. I think American World of Paris wasn't that bad. Um, all right, my number 14 movie, uh, I dig this one. It's the second film by Kevin S. Cunney. In my list, it's 1986, Butch Board, um, starring the hot, hot, hot Connie Katane. Uh, she's, she's very good in this movie. It also stars a guy from General Hospital. Of all of all characters, his name is Stephen Nichols. Huh. Uh, he is fantastic in this movie. Um, better actually even than the main star. But it's of course about a Ouija board. You can't go wrong when you're talking about a Ouija board. I think the, the spirit that they summon in this movie is fantastic. Uh, the actor who plays the the, the demon is great and that the name Mal not Mal Havoc, I think that's that's the Super Friends. Uh what is the name of the of the of the of the malevolent demon? Let me let me take a look. I'll be able to find this. Uh Mal Mal Fader. I know it was a Mal something. Anyway, fantastic. There's some great dream sequences in here. Uh, for all the for all you perverts like me, great, great uh, shower scene with Tony Katane. Um, and also, too, the side characters, uh, there's a girl in here, Zarabeth, Kathleen Wilhoyt. She plays a clairvoyant uh, who is great, and I've seen her in, in many other movies. I'm not sure she was in pretty in pink or she was a, a, a 80s character actress that was in a lot of teenage films but I love it I love the scenes there's uh, plot twists that I'm not going to give away there's people that die in the movie that you wouldn't think would die um, I love when that happens because one of the cheesy things is when you watch a horror movie you can pretty much plot out from the beginning this person lives this person dies this person gets it this person right. doesn't anytime you have a horror movie that likes to upend that and leaves you guessing as to who is actually going to live or die. I really dig that. Um, so this movie is is a big, big up for me. I'll tell you what, I actually saw this movie again maybe a year ago, and I was freaking scared. 
I'm not even kidding. When I watched this movie, maybe it was two years ago, I saw it, and it gave me, and I was alone, you know, in my place, and I got shivers a little bit, and I was kind of, it has a little bit of, you know, some of those scenes when you turn around the corner, and all of a sudden, there's, you know, death is waiting for you, and it is uh, a thriller. It huh. is, uh, has some very good suspenseful scenes. I definitely recommend Witchboard. If you like horror movies, that is my number 14 selection. Nice. Uh, did you see that? No. I've, okay. But I've seen the the cover. I'll never forget the cover. Um, I actually knew what you were talking about when you said it right away. But I just said, I've actually never seen the film. Yeah. Uh, also, too, I do have to give some praise to the writer. Kevin Tunney also wrote that. He actually did his research on Ouija boards and how you conduct what you how spirits, if they do come through a Ouija board, if that is true, I, I would be highly skeptical, but things to do when you're using a Ouija board, how you shouldn't use a Ouija board. Oh. Um, and all of the people that do believe in it, these are some classic ways of how to use it and how to not to use it. He is very uh, to the T as far as uh, uh, the stylings of the Ouija board and mistakes that people make with it and results of the mistakes. Anyway, huh. um, all right, DM, what do you got for number 13? Reanimator. Oh, that is super classic. Super classic. Almost had it on my list, didn't, but it is a absolute Stone Cold classic. It's just fucking weird. And yet again, the guy who plays the lead character, <clears throat> he's a great actor, great character actor, great horror, you know, actor. Um, just, just really bizarre uh, it's almost comical uh, because the main, you know, the the science, the main, like the guys. I think he's the main, the main character's mentor uh, is the person that's brought back, and it's just so like, it's just so strange and like over the top. And I love it because back in the day, it was claimed to be banned in like all these different countries. Right. Uh, very gory. Very gory, but it's just to me it was just very bizarre and odd and uh I think that's what the appeal was and um I don't know, I just liked it and I thought it was a, a good story. Um I don't know if it's a if it's taken from an actual story, you know, written a classic. Um I wanna say it is, but I'm not sure. But you know, whoever listens Well, you know, Frankenstein, right? I mean, I guess, yeah, it's it's another, you know, uh, interpretation of Frankenstein. Uh, but I thought more specifically, H.G. Wells, not H.G. Wells. It's, 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 it feels like somebody wrote this story and then they just made it, you know, adapted into a film. But anyway, good movie, classic. My uh, one of my first girlfriends at the time showed it to me, and she was a she was a real freak. Um, so uh, no, I meant like she just she was into that shit. She was in the, you know, she had a uh, kind of an interest in like dark magic and all that. She wasn't practicing. That's magic. what I meant. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I didn't mean like sexually. I didn't. But uh, and you know, so she it, it just I'll never forget because we watched that at her house with her stepbrother, who her foster brother, who she was like hooking up with too. It was weird. But, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, uh, it's classic, and um, 
yeah, I liked it. So pretty much it. Cool. That's reminds me a little bit of Hellraiser. That I didn't have it on my list, but only because I I saw it when I was young. I didn't see it again. Um, didn't hit me over the head when I was a kid, but I, I see a lot of these lists of best horror movies, and a lot of people have it on their list. Right. So um, definitely is, is is a common horror movie in the in the top list of the '80s. So um, we got number thirteen. Okay, um, I don't know. Again, I don't know if this is a horror movie. I found it kind of horrific when I was a kid. Uh, the movie is, uh, first of all, it stars one of my favorite actors. Well, when I say one of my favorite actors, I'm sure he's passed on and it's been years since he's done stuff, but he could really play a creepy character so well, maybe underrated. The, the name of the actor is Rutger Howard. Oh, yeah. Uh, the name of the film is The Hitcher, 1986. Yes. Uh, C. Thomas Howell, it's a rope, oh, it's got to be considered a rope thriller a movie, maybe a little bit horror movie, uh, probably one of the only good movies that C. Thomas Howell did, ironically, the same year as when he made his, one of the worst movies of all time, probably, I think, is, uh, boy, the one where he dresses up in blackface because of, oh, man. uh, Soul Man, yeah, um, Get into college. That fucked his career up, dude. Like he, him trying to play of all the kids trying to play a black kid. Hey, brother. And he like, oh, oh my, my god, god, dude. It's, yeah, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. So this was really good. If you haven't seen it, um, again, it's, it's a good who done it. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee. How about that? I yeah. can't remember her in that, but she was in that. Um, it's a good who done it. There's some a few plot twists along the way. He loses the guy, then. The guy finds him, so it's a great. Um, actually, as I look at it, it was a it was a flop when it first came out. They spent eight million dollars to make it, and only made six. It was an enormous hit uh, in the rentals, VHS rentals. Oh, yeah. um, I must have seen it a million times. So anyway, uh, my number thirteen, my number thirteen movie. Oh, ooh, number thirteen is The Hitcher. Um, DM, what do you have for your number twelve? I have the fog, John Carpenter. Love it. Classic. Just uh I you know, uh great story, scary, great cast. Uh I I don't know, the whole premise is great. I like, you know, it's another story where um I guess you could say it's a it's just one of those. It's a. It's just basically a story of, of uh, some people who are, you know, uh, a ship that had been. What is it like? It's basically like a a ship. Like a a, a captain and his crew get. They get murdered, right? Or am I correct? Yeah. Well, it, I think that they were. Um, it has to do with the church. The church supposedly sent a message to them telling them where to dock and when ah. they told them where to dock was a was a rocky area that if there were storms I think they, they got shipwrecked um, but I don't think that the I don't think they were innocent I think they were uh, somehow the church was involved with them financially maybe and oh, okay. I'm not sure, sure if somebody swam out and took their gold it has to do with the uh, the priest it has something to do with the church taking their Money, I believe. 
the church was in and on it with the pirates. Right. Um, they definitely wanted revenge on the church. It's a revenge flick, and it's like, it's basically another, it's a flick where it's like unsettled business, and then when they finally, like, fix the problem, then you realize, you know, um, that, oh, okay, like, they just needed, like, to be uh, not forgiven, but they, they just needed to fix the problem that initially started this whole thing. But the whole idea of, like, using fog in these in the ghosts or spirits, um, you know, of, of vengeful spirits using fog as like their, their cover or whatever. Fucking great, man. Like you just, uh, and it takes over this little sea bearing town. Uh, and it, I, I just liked it and I just scared the shit out of me. Like John Carpenter is great because, uh, his movies generally like, I don't know. It's like some of them are gory, but for the most part, it's like the story and then how he films it and the and the like the situation that the characters are in usually and it's just he's just classic man. I just uh I don't know man, I just fucking amazing. So Yeah, and not to mention uh we have to do something sci fi because with John Carpenter oh, yeah. I friggin' love Escape from New York. I friggin' love it so much. One of my favorite 80s movies. Yeah. What I love is uh, Adrian Barbeau, who actually uh, turned out to be his wife. Uh, I think he, he married her. Really? She was in The Fog. She was, yep, she was in Escape from New York. Of course, she was from Maud in the 1970s, that TV show. Oh. I think she's a very good actress. She was, um, yeah, very good actress. Uh, very good movie, too. It is creepy. It's got a little surprise ending for you. Um, I definitely dig that movie. I love it. But another movie I watched at night uh, was on TV uh, at, you know, late at night. It was like a 10 p.m. Uh, flick. Um, classic, though. And uh, great, you know, John Carpenter is probably, of all time, you know, one of my favorite uh, film scorers as well, like composers. Like, he's right. he just unbelievable fucking how he does that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, also loved playing the priest, one of my favorite character actors, Hal Holbrook. Yeah, classic. Um, who was, yeah, in a number of films. Uh, the Firm, actually, with Tom Cruise. He was yeah. excellent on that. Anyway, okay, so number, um, what are we on here? Number 12. We're getting up there. Number 12, and it's a franchise. I had mentioned a film previously. This is my favorite film of the franchise. Uh, it is Friday the 13th, but... Not the original. I did not put the original on my list, which is, of course, extremely controversial. Really? Maybe it's the best movie. Yeah, maybe it is the best movie, the original. Um, if you have it on there, I certainly would like to say a few things about it that I did like, because I do. I had a feeling that it's on everybody's list. I think that there's other movies besides the first one that are very good that don't get mentioned on the top list. So my favorite, the scariest one to me, is the final chapter part four? Oh. Um, this one has, I believe, without a doubt, the best cast. I oh. mean, you're talking about uh, Crispin Glover plays the the dorky kid who uh, comes out and does this great dance. Um, the, the females in it are ridiculous. I mean, it's talked about this beautiful cast. Uh, Judy Aronson plays one of the girls who was in Weird Science. One of the two girls that hooks oh, up with Anthony yeah. Michael Hall, the other guy, guy from Weird Science, she's tremendous. She was a, just a total babe. 
Um, also in the film was, well, I'm going to have to go to this guy's name. Um, it is Lawrence Monison. He's actually in a film that I really dug called The Last American Virgin. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, he played the main character. I thought that was such a cool teenage movie. It was a total remake of uh, an Italian, uh, which, if you remember some of the scenes, it makes sense. Like, there's a, they're delivering a pizza to, Charo or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, great. It was a really cool film. He was in this as well. Um, you got Peter Barton. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, there's a guy in Richport that ended up to be a star from General Hospital. Peter Barton ended up to be a star in one of them, All My Children, something. One of those. Uh, he's in another movie, actually, further up on my list. Um, it just keeps going and going. Um, Corey Feldman again tremendous. Yeah. Uh, talk about a great kid actor. We mentioned Corey Haim. Corey Feldman has to be one of the greatest child actors um, ever, I right. think. Uh, he did so many. He was great in The Goonies. He was great in I apologize if this is on your list, DM. Um, because it, but the, the Stand By Me, I don't, think that, I don't think that's a horror movie. But, no, but he's a great um, actor. And I felt for his character and like, yeah, that is, that's um, great. Great writing. And, uh, boy, another one, I, again, you don't have to mention this if it's on your list, but The Lost Boys, uh, I don't have it on my list only because I don't think it's scary enough. But, um, anyway, Friday 13, Friday 4, there's a great, one thing I like about this so much is with all the Friday 13s, I love the cinematography. I love the fact that it's dark out in the woods. Right. I can't stand, like, in the 90s, um, what became a big proponent of, of horror movies in the 90s was not like a wide angle, wide lens. It became sort of this sort of constant, like there was Cloverfield, there was the other one where the kids are missing in the woods, that big one from the end of the 90s, um, the witch, the Blair Witch, something where it's like it's constantly following feet and legs and the camera's turning left and right uh -huh. and everything is super up close. I, I hate that. I hate uh -huh. that look. I hate that filming style. What I like about Friday the 13th, everything is at a distance. Uh, sometimes they're filming from the killer's point of view. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's not, but it's, it's back far enough where you can see the whole scene. You can see the woods. You can see the camp. You can see the lake. You can see... Everything. I, I really like that style of filming, uh, which is why I like 80s and 70s horror movies so much more than the newer ones. Anyway, another character I loved is this sort of renegade um, guy that, and you think about Friday the 13th, how many deaths can, how many people can Jason kill before the, the, the some of the families of these people start coming after him? Right, yeah. Never. So one of the characters is a vigilante whose sister was killed in the second one. Ah. He comes and he's like, I'm here to revenge, avenge my sister. And he's a great character. The character is uh, Rob Deere. Um, anyway, love ah. it. I love the girls in God. I love Trish Jarvis. The introduction, of course, of Tommy Jarvis, who creates another element to the Friday the 13th series. Love it. Love the fact that Tommy Jarvis is a comic book freak and a horror movie freak. Not to mention the fact that, boy, the special effects. Who is the who is the guy? The guy that does all those damn special effects. I'm trying to 
see right now. I can't believe they don't name him way up in this. There's a guy he played. He was in Dust Till Dawn. The guy that had the oh, little the, gum came out of his Oh, he's a Tarantino beard. guy. Yeah, yeah. He was a guy that did the um, the character made the horror makeup and the special effects. God dang it! I gotta I gotta find this guy. No, he's he's. I didn't Famous. know who. He, I didn't know who he was. Like I didn't know until later. Tommy Savini. Um, Savini, Tom Savini. He's great. His scenes are unbelievable. Um, there's a scene with Jason in there that is so super awful and gory. At the I'm not going to give it away at the end, but you've got to watch it. It is so scary. Um, go ahead. What are you going to say, DM? No, I just uh, I'm waiting to I'm waiting to comment on Friday the Thirteenth, like because I I have I have my choices, but. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, I I saw those, uh, and, uh, yeah, so. Love the darkness, love the woods, right. uh, love Jason as a killer, the hockey mask, the machete. Right. All right, so that's number 12. DM, what do you have for number 11? Uh, well, I'm going to do a – this is a three-deal, uh, three-package, three-piece. Gotcha. Uh, Poltergeist 1, 2, and 3, uh, loved it. Um, I think they just, you know, they're great, uh, continuous stories, great cast. Um, it was, uh, uh, I liked the, how it, it was a unique, uh, ghost story. Uh, it's a different kind of ghost, um, gory, gross, um, the filming of it, there's controversy over, uh, the, the star actress, uh, who died, the little, little girl, the blonde hair. Um, Heather something, I believe, um, uh, they used real, in the first one, they used, uh, real, they, they were allowed to, they were given permission to use real bones from a, uh, cemetery, or was it, was it a cemetery? Um, but they used real bones, uh, you know, for the surgery. Probably not from a cemetery, okay, probably from maybe, a hospital or something. Right, right. A more, a or something. something like that. Um, like good cast, uh, good story. Um, the the little woman who played uh, the uh, she oh was, she's great. The clairvoyant. She, the clairvoyant. She's classic actress. Um, it was the first time that um, I had seen a uh, a team of ghost hunters in a movie and like. You know, because every time you watch a ghost movie before that, it was like, well, there's a ghost, and either it's going to kill me or drive me insane or fuck with me or have sex, you know, try to try to rape the person or whatever. But uh, this is a different one, and uh, it's just, I don't know, I can't say enough. And, um, you know, the second one, good cast again. Um, the special You're effects. You're going to die. You're going to die, the old the, man. The old man, he just want to fucking... You know, you just want to, you just want to be like, well, I'm going to fucking, I'll cut his fucking head off. Like, you just, you know, like, he, he's there. <laughs> he can't come, you know, he, like, it's based, you know, then you, then you look up and you find the history that, uh, of, of the ghosts. Then the, the guy, I like the shaman character. Uh, I like the guy who plays the shaman. He's a really good actor. Um, trying to think what else. Oh, the first one's funny because it's like, I noticed a lot of these horror movies, um, how they, uh, the, a lot of characters like smoke joints, 
like that's a thing because it was like the seventies and early eighties, and it was uh, it was like it was pretty acceptable back then uh, before Reagan really kicked in that don't say no shit with uh, Nancy Reagan. But um, the third one, I know what you mean. The parents, the parents got high, right? The mom, the mom. I don't know. I don't know if the dad did, but the mom did. And what's great is it's classic because. Back in the day, you know, like stoners had roach clips with like you know feathers, and then uh, and then she had a roach clip with the feather and a in a fucking cigar box. Like everybody's all these stoners throughout history, especially from the sixties. There's always like there's you know if your parents or your friends or whoever had got high, they always had a cigar box for some reason, and then you see all the utensils, but. Classic. Um, the second one's like just a continuation. Third one's great because it takes place in Chicago at the Hancock. So every time I see the Hancock uh, building, I'm thinking, oh, they, that's where they filmed uh, Poltergeist 3. Interesting. So you got uh, all three. We're talking about 11, 10, and 9 going into the top 10. Um I'll tell you what, I'll talk about this too because that's technically my number 11 with Poltergeist. Cool. Um, Toby Hooper, of course, of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Salem Lot, continues his onslaught of fantastic horror movies into the 1980s. Um, the most, one of the most classic scenes in all horror movies is the clown scene, of course. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, where it comes alive, the tree scene as well, with the little right. kid, uh, where it goes into his room. Um, yeah, this was a very good, I'll tell you what, dude, this, this film met some controversy besides, of course, Heather O'Rourke, who played the little blonde girl, died early, uh, and there's lots of people on the film, on the set, like Exorcist, that experienced some, um, some events, traumatic events after the filming of the movie or during, um, but this was an enormous, enormous hit, besides the fact that... Steven Spielberg, Ohio Toby Cooper, who is obviously a very large ego, tried to kind of take credit for the movie more than the director. Really? He, he tried to say basically, others was mine, and actually the Motion Picture Administration uh, Association got involved and told him to retract his statement in a paper in the LA Times, I think. Wow. Um, yeah, because he, he kind of overstepped his boundaries. Um, anyway, a very good movie, and, and the controversy, of course, as well, is that this movie ended up being a PG movie, which prompted PG-13 ratings a few years afterwards. Um, this movie, as well as Gremlins, were two movies that were, this was more scary, it wasn't gory that yeah. I can remember at all, but Gremlins did get kind of gory, there was kind of a lot of death, great fucking movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it, it, again, it did prompt this PG-13 rating. Jaws, I believe, was PG back in the day. So it's amazing how many movies as a kid you could see when you were younger. I saw Poltergeist at the movie theater when I was eight years old. Wow. Uh, which is kind of young. That was and, uh, me. Yeah. To be honest with you, I have to be honest, it didn't really scare me as much as seeing some other things on screen when I was a kid. Um and I, I do have to be a little bit honest. I think that maybe this movie is higher up on other lists. Through the years, it's kind of 
gone down a little bit for me as far as level of scary, but I don't think you can argue with the fact that it's a massive hit. Um, and, um, it was a very good movie. Um, so what I'll do is I'll go ahead, believe it or not, I, I screwed up with my list and I don't think I had a number nine. I went back and I renumbered some things and I, coming to look at it, I believe I skipped number nine. So, oh, okay. uh, DM, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to go into my number 10. Yeah. Uh, as long as we're done with the poll, you guys. Okay, let me get 